All right, are you ready to study the scripture? Uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We're going to start there, and, um, and then we're going to go real quickly over to, over to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, and we'll start in verse 11. 1 Kings 19.11, if you want to get a head start. All right, so you know we've been on this series called Numa, and Numa is the word for spirit in the New Testament. It's a Greek term, word for spirit in the New Testament. It also has references to wind and breath, and it creates a picture for us of the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing is we're unlocking the mysteries of the Holy Spirit. And we're on this series because I think it is so important for us to embrace the Holy Spirit as a person. I know there are many people who are very comfortable with the idea of God the Father, the creator and sustainer of the universe. They're very comfortable. They're very comfortable with the Son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross and how he rescued us by his atoning work Atoning sacrifice and then raising from the dead. We like to be Jesus followers. That's great. But then some people, many people have a, a barrier to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Um, they don't know, exactly know how to, how to meet him. They're not sure what to do with him. In the scriptures, we see him represented in uh, various ways. And some of those are kind of hard to grab. You see him represented as fire. You see him represented as uh, smoke or a cloud or wind or a voice. And we, we don't quite know what to do with that. And so sometimes we, we're afraid of the Holy Spirit because we don't know what to do with him. The mystery of the Holy Spirit is so great that we're uncomfortable with that mystery. We're not sure what to do with him, so we tend to ignore him or we tend to push him away. Some of you come to one chapel with baggage from your experience with what you perceive as the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been hurt by some kind of manipulation Somebody said something that God was doing and they blamed it on the Holy Spirit, but it, it, was, it was manipulative or it was strange or it was weird or it was crazy. And you're not so sure you want anything to do with the crazy God. Uh, you, and and no, make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit, there are some strange phenomenon that happens when people come face to face with the living God and but, but what we're doing here is we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit as a person and we're meeting him and we're, we're looking at an overarching view of who he is and how he works. Now, that overarching view is so important to us because most people zero right in on what he does. And they go right to what he does instead of thinking about who he is. Can I just encourage you a little bit? You can write this down. We want to understand who he is over what he does. We want to decide that we want to meet him as the person and then understand all the things that he does. In fact, who he is informs what he does. We have to, we have to look at who he is first and then let that inform us on how he works. If you look at me as a pastor and you just see me as a pastor that's a very one-dimensional one-dimensional view of my life 
I am a pastor. I do love pastoring. You could conjure up all kinds of ideas about what that means, what I sit around doing at home, you know, with my children in a circle. <laughs> Dispensing the pearls of wisdom as a pastor. I walk her, you know, that's, my wife is always greeting me at the door. Oh, pastor, tell us what you've learned today. So I guess none of you think that, but, um, <laughs> but it, would, it would be an incorrect view, and I think some of us have an incorrect view of the Holy Spirit, because we, we've just seen one dimension of him. When Jesus describes in John chapter 3 that the Holy Spirit is like the wind, okay, well, you, got, you can think about the wind, we can all think about the wind here, but there are all different kinds of winds. There's a breeze, a gentle breeze. There's a massive storm with wind. Sometimes there's just that warm breeze that you get in the springtime or in the winter when, when the, the high-pressure system's moving. And you didn't know as a closet meteorologist, but the high-pressure system is moving and you get that warm thing just before the cold. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. But I know it kind of happens that way. And so you could see the wind. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little punchy today. It's afternoon on a summer day, and so, um, so, so we can look at the wind, and we, we have different perspectives of it, and some of us look at the Holy Spirit like that, and we, we get to Him, and then we kind of push away. We, we're uncomfortable. We're not sure we want to have anything to do with that. We're not sure how to deal with Him, so we just kind of hold Him off. This series is the, the excuse for you to listen, to understand, to contemplate how you might embrace the Holy Spirit in a greater way. That's what I want you to do. And so we are looking at him, and last week we started talking about his voice, and we talked about hearing his voice, listening. And what I want to if you, if you weren't here last week, you can listen to it on the podcast, but, podcast, but I, I didn't get to finish last week, so I'm going to finish with how we cultivate a listening ear. How we cultivate a listening ear to the Holy Spirit. So much going on in our lives, so many things that we do. Hearing Him is so important. I want you to read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, As it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. What that means, it's, it's Isaiah the prophet that's being quoted here in this passage. And what that essentially means is God has better stuff for you than you can even guess. You can even imagine. There's no way that you can figure it out. Your eyes, your ears, your mind, you can't get it. It's so much better than anything you could fathom. That's a pretty cool idea. So then he says, verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit of God is how you understand how good God is, how amazing His plans are for you. 
If you continue reading, it says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Do you see what he's saying here? He's using an analogy. He's saying you don't know what's going on inside of a man unless you understand his thoughts, unless you can see what's going on inside. And just like that, you can't really understand God unless you understand his spirit. You can't understand the, the thoughts of God unless you understand his spirit. Verse 12 says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. You, know, you want to know what God has given you? You want to understand what he's trying to do in your life? You've got to embrace the Holy Spirit. You've got to become friends with the Holy Spirit. His friendship with you is the key to understanding God's thoughts about you, recognizing him. This has been the case all through the scripture. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can see this throughout the Old Testament. If you look at, if you turn over to 1 Kings chapter 19, you'll see the story of Elijah. The story of Elijah, and he's about to hear something God is saying, I want you to see it. Verse 11 says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Just look up at me. Sometimes what we think is God is not God, and we need to be able to tell the difference. And the way you tell is you know the Holy Spirit. You know Him as you're, you're You have a relationship with Him. You have friendship with Him. Lots of people saying God said this and God did this and God does. I, I, some of it, I turn off the channel and go out and mow my yard. Here it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. <laughs> Essentially what happened was he heard the whisper. Have you ever had that experience? I have. You can have this experience, I think, in almost any place, but when you're alone and by yourself somewhere and you hear a whisper, God, was that you? Do I? Is that you? And it, you get this, there's a holy feeling about it. That's why he covers himself. And he goes out to the mouth of the cave and he's like, okay, was that you? I think that was you. And then the Lord proceeds to tell him what's really happening. He's explaining to him what's really happening versus what he thinks is happening. If you go through the story, I'm not going to take time to read through the story, you should read it as homework this week. There you go. I've assigned you some homework. Read this story this week and you'll see how discouraged Elijah was about where he, what he was experiencing and how God had a totally different plan, but he didn't know it until he heard the whisper. He didn't understand it until he heard the whisper. If you look over to John chapter 16, go over to John chapter 16. And I'm going, to read, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. 
because I want you to hear it again, and I'm going to skip around on it, but John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. Here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He said, so let me say it again. This truth, it's better for you that I leave. <laughs> that is a killer. It's better. Some, some uh, translation says, uh, let's see, um, it is to your advantage that I leave. It's to your advantage that I leave. He says, if I don't leave, the friend won't come. The friend, the helper, the comforter, the counselor. He says, but if I go, I'll send him to you. Can we skip the next uh, three verses and go down to verse 12? Verse 12, here's what it says. He says, he says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. <laughs> That's my, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> but when the friend comes, the spirit of the truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth that there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. If you want to know what's happening, if you don't know what God's doing, if you want to understand truth, if you want to get how God is working in your life and what he, how he's working in your family and how he's working in the city that you live in and how he's working in the nations, and if you want to know that, you have to become friends with the Holy Spirit. So that means we've got to cultivate a listening ear so we can hear what he's saying. So we can kind of get through the, all the other things that are happening in our lives and cultivate a way to listen. I talked about the, the, the show, The Voice, last week, and the, the experts, the, you know, the artists who sit in those chairs and they listen to a, um, a singer, but they don't look at him. They just listen. They're cultivating their ear. They're listening for what kind of quality of voice they have. And when they like that voice, they hit that button and the chair spins them around and they see who they've been listening to. It's a, it's a really interesting show. But it, it is an amazing thing how we don't listen very well. We don't spend a lot of time learning how to listen. If I could encourage you just as it's passing through my mind, one of the things that makes us healthier in our marriage is learning how to listen better. Learning how to listen to our kids makes us better parents. Learning how to listen to our parents makes us better teenagers. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I got laughs from the parents and no amens from the kids. What's up? All right, thank you, all three of you. Okay, so I'm going to give you five things. I'm going to give you five ideas, all right? Can we, can we go through this? Get out your journal and, and write some stuff down, and I'm going to give you five ideas that will help you hear from the Holy Spirit better, all right? Number one, ready? Stop sinning. <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, I know, it's deep. It's deep stuff. Just go with me for a second. Sin is something that we, some, what I'm talking about is, I'm talking, I'm talking about little pet sins. I'm talking about little things that you carry with you. I'm talking about things that you know are wrong and yet you do them anyway. If you know that you're not supposed to do it and you do it anyway, what happens is your life begins to revolve around this sinful behavior. And you may, you may, there, let, let me assure you that there is no sin that is too great for Jesus to forgive or for God to work on. He, he, God has settled the sin question. There's nothing too big for him to overcome, all right? But when we, when we keep some pet sins 
And when we, it reminds me of Pet Rocks. Anybody remember Pet Rocks? Very useless. Much like Pet Sins. Quite useless. You, when, you, when, you, when you keep these things around and you, you, you know the right thing, but then you don't do it, you develop a cycle in your life of repentance. You see it through the Old Testament, actually. You see judgment, you see repentance, you see blessing, and then you see sinfulness. And then judgment, and then repentance, and, then, and you, you develop this cycle, and it, and it revolves around this sin. And what happens is you become consumed in yourself, rather than consumed in God. You consuming in your you're consumed in this cycle this oh and you and you kind of you even get addicted to the high of repentance. Are you guys tracking with me? Here's what Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says. I want you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. It says I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. I don't do this very often, but I felt like the Message Bible gave us... Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read the message first. I'm going to read it in the NIV because I want you to see what it says, and then I'll, I'll kind of put the two together, and then I'll put it on the screen. I don't typically shine the scriptures on the screen because I want you to have your Bible in church, and I want you to look it up with me, and I want you to take a pen, and I want you to, to underline things, and I want you to gain more and more knowledge of the scriptures, all right? Our culture is so biblically illiterate. We need to learn more about our Bibles and learn where things are. So um, here we go, Math, or, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Yes, if you were wondering... The spirit is into mind control. The spirit of God wants to control your mind and cause you to think on the things that are good for you, that are helpful and healthy for you, not on yourself, not on your sin. When you focus down on your sin, and some of you are dealing with a sin in your life, and you've, this cycle has become so consuming that now, you've, now you're just focused on it all the time, and some, somehow you need to release yourself and focus on something else. You need to focus on the surrender of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. But here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, the mind controlled by the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace, and the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And then he says in verse 9, look at this, you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And, verse 11, one of our favorites, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who lives in you. Okay, so the secret to getting your mind off of all that other junk is to let your mind be consumed by the Spirit of God. He's going to help you understand what's right and what's wrong and not, and not be consumed in, your, in yourself. Here's what it says in the Message Bible. Verse 5 through 8, it says, Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never getting around to exercising it in real life. 
Can I just tell you that I think a lot of Christians live right here? A lot of Christians, they subscribe to good things and to doing good things. But they don't access, go with me, are you guys still with me? They don't access the power of the Holy Spirit. They just kind of try to do it on their own. They don't have a lot of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. They don't acknowledge Him in their relationship with God. And so they kind of develop this, this idea or this mindset, I just got to be better. I got to be good. I got to stop sinning. I got to stop doing that. You can't do that by yourself. All you're doing is trying to flex moral muscle. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, okay, I can't do it. <laughs> Jesus sacrificed his life for more than just behavior modification. Okay? You, this is not just, we're not just talking about behaving. I'm talking about being consumed by the Spirit of God. You'll behave if you're willing to stop thinking about yourself and surrendering to the Spirit of God. Here's, let's read the rest of this passage. It'll be on the screen. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them. Yeah, I believe this. God's Spirit is in me, living and breathing God. The Spirit is living and breathing God into you. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God, and anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. That's a good little phrase there, isn't it? you got to cultivate a listening ear. The thing you know to do, do it. The thing you know you're not supposed to do, don't, don't keep it. Point number two. Step number two, cultivating a listening ear, is start surrendering. Stop sinning and start surrendering. Start focusing on yourself, being obsessed with yourself, and start being obsessed with the Spirit of God. Start surrendering. We'll read the rest of the passage here in the Message Bible. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. He's kind of almost incredulous. It's like, okay, so if God, hello, people, knock, knock, hello, if God is living in you, it's not like you can go on with normal life. You can't just kind of go on your way and do your own thing. You have God in you. That's the kind of how this verse should be read. Now how do I get down? Nice dismount. Okay. Here's, here's what it says. It says, anyone, of course, who is not welcomed, now watch this part carefully, anyone who is not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. If you haven't welcomed him, you're, you're like, what, what, those what, I don't get it, those huh? We've got a lot of, I, actually, sadly enough, I think we have a lot of Christians in this same boat right here. They haven't really welcomed the invisible God into their lives. They've just mentally ascent, ascent to a mental ascent to a way of life or a set of rules. He 
He says, they won't know what we're talking about, but for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin. Now look, sin, it is around you. It's going to be with you. Even though you experience these sins, even though you experience the wrestling match that goes on in your life, there, there's, you're still have, you still have to wrestle with the sinful nature that is inside of you, and you've got to get up every morning and kill that guy. It's called denying yourself and taking up your cross daily and following. That's what you're doing. But he says, even though you'll still experience the limitations of sin in, in, in this world, you yourself experience life on God's terms. I want you to write that phrase down, life on God's terms. What I want you to get is the way to start surrendering is you start living life on his terms, not on yours. Living life on God's terms keeps you listening to him because you want to know what the terms are. I just bought a house. I was very attentive to all the terms as we were going through the negotiating process. I wanted to know if the little, um, what's it called, babe, the, in the backyard? The shed in the back, which is a cool, big, giant shed, was going to stay. I wanted to know how much it was going to cost me to keep that shed. I wanted to understand all of the little pieces of the inspection and what the house, uh, how good the house was. I was very attentive. I wanted to know the terms. We've got to develop a desire for the terms. Thinking about the terms. What are the terms? What, what, what does the scripture say? What are his terms for my life? And sadly, many of us go through the terms and we mark off the ones we want. Yeah, okay, yes, yes, yes. Oh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> and we just mark off the ones we want and the ones we don't want and then... Uh, we lose, here's what happens when you do that. When you live like that, when you don't, when you don't agree to all the terms, life on God's terms, you, you're unable to listen. It clouds up your ear. Life on God's terms helps you to listen. It cultivates a listening ear. Often we just want to include God in our stuff kind of live my life on my own terms, and then, okay, yeah, God, if you can add something to the picture to make my life a little bit better, that'd be awesome, that'd be swell. In fact, lots of people come to Christ on those terms because they hear a prosperity message, and the prosperity message is, if you'll come to Christ, he will give you joy and peace and fulfillment. And then as soon as they come to Christ, what happens? Trial, tribulation, temptation. Hey, they sold, I got sold a, a, a bad bill of goods. It's not the gospel. The gospel is takeover. <laughs> it's not a hostile takeover. He'll never be hostile to you. Your sinful mind is hostile to God. There's no doubt about it. But he's a gentleman. You have to surrender to him. God doesn't, I, I, a lot of people say it this way, God, God needs to be number one in your life, number one. I don't like giving God a number because if he can be number one, that means he can be number two. If I give God a number, the thing is, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's infinity. <laughs> you want to give him a number, there it is. 
God doesn't want to be one. He wants to be the whole. He wants to be all. He wants to be everything. You're listening to me going, now, are you supposed to be convincing me to welcome the Holy Spirit? (laughs) I just want you to know the terms. I believe that the Holy Spirit has so many good things for you. He wants to lead you and guide you into all the truth that you need. But you got to do it on his terms. It's very difficult if, if you refuse the terms and then you're, you stop listening, all right? So what we want is we want worship more often. We want spending more time with the right people. We want more time in his word. We want to understand the terms in a greater way so we cultivate a listening ear by surrendering to him, understanding what we're surrendering to. Number three, internalize the scriptures. Internalize the scriptures. Now, here's what I'm, I use this word intentionally, and I'll show you why in just a second. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, look at at it in the message. It says, every part of Scripture is God-breathed. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. When the Bible was written, the original authors, over 40-some authors, 66 books, pretty impressive, the, the Holy Spirit breathed onto them. All, the, the, the NIV says all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. That means it's Holy Spirit-directed. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so they wrote down as they were illuminated and inspired, as they wrote letters, as they wrote history, as they wrote prophetic books, as they wrote poetry, it's inspired, it is God-breathed. Have you ever had the experience when you're reading the Bible, and maybe it's a passage you've read a hundred times, but you're reading through it, and all of a sudden something jumps off the page at you, and you're like, I've never seen that before. That's incredible. The light goes on, boop, 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 boop. And you're like, wow, you know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit breathing on his word again. So God breathed on it, the Holy Spirit breathed on it to write it. When you read it and it comes alive to you, it's him breathing again into you. It's breathed twice. It's life again to you. When you internalize the scriptures, you don't just read them or think about them or discuss them. We're not just talking about uh, the, 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 the scripture ideas. We need to become them. We're talking about internalizing them. We're talking about God breathing them into you. I'm not talking about just knowing the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about becoming the Ten Commandments. I believe in the Ten Commandments. I don't steal. I try not to covet. I try to obey the Sabbath. See, I believe these ideas, but what I want is to become those ideas. I want to become the person that believes in the Sabbath so much that I will not violate it so I can get a little bit ahead. I want to become those ideas. I don't believe in stealing. I tell my boys sometimes they're leaving out the door and they're going to go somewhere and I say, hey, boys, remember... Your parsleys. And that's code for don't do anything stupid. 
Well, it's, it's, it's code for do the right thing. Do what you know to do. It's do what you've been taught and do what you've been trained. I want to become the ideas. I want the Parsley family to represent something. I want it to embody the ideas of worship, of pastoring, of loving people, of serving and caring for others. I want to become that. I don't want to just think it's a good idea. And until you can make your peace with that, until you understand that's how the Bible works, that's how the Holy Spirit breathes on you, you're just reading it. You're just reading it. You've got to become it. The Holy Spirit wants to breathe it into you, and you become what's in these pages. You become the type of person. You become what the Bible says, a a living letter read by all men. That's what we have to have. The Holy Spirit wants to do that. When you do that, you you hear Him. You become the ideas. It's so much more easily, or sorry, it's so much easier to hear Him. You so much more easily listen because those ideas are clattering around in you. Number four, submit to one another. Number four, submit to one another. Ephesians 5, verse 15. I want you to read this and follow my train of thought here and the train of thought of the Apostle Paul. He said, so be careful how you live. That's good advice. Don't live like fools. <laughs> He's setting something up here. <laughs> okay, I want you to I want you to remember this line when I get to the end. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, making the most make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Okay, how do you do that? Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Oh, of course, that would lead to verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Any addiction, any issue like that, it ruins your life. Instead, instead of being consumed with some addiction in your life, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks to everything to give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, as if in the same breath, and further, almost like summing it all up, and the way that you really do this is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want you to attach all the ideas here. Don't live like fools. Don't be consumed in your own addictions, your own self Don't be absorbed with yourself. I want you to be filled with the Spirit, and then I want you to listen to what other people have to say. I want you to submit your life to others. Some people say things like, well, the Holy Spirit told me to leave my husband because he's not spiritual enough. Actually, that's not what the Bible says. Um, the Holy Spirit told me that you're supposed to give me money. You've probably heard that one before. I just think, how silly, how goofy. God told me to divorce my wife and marry somebody else. Trade her in for a new model. Ouch, that kind of hurt, didn't it? I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful to those of you who have gone through the pain of divorce, okay? 
But what we have to do is we have to be willing to embrace the idea that marriage is holy and sacred to God and not throw it away easily. So I want to uphold that standard. And one of the ways that we uphold that standard is we let other people speak into our lives and tell us when we're missing it. We let other people speak into our lives and tell us, no, you're not, you're not hearing right. I know you feel this way. I know you feel like you're trapped. I know you feel like you're going to die. But listen, the Holy Spirit is enough for you. I'm telling you, I'll walk with you. I'll work with you. You can't disobey the scriptures this way. You need to stay steady. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a more practical example. Go back to my two teenage boys. Um... I am the voice of God for their lives. I am. I am. There are, there are governmental, there are authorities that have been set up in the Scripture. The Scripture talks about four of them. It talks about the family, talks about the church, talks about the government of, of uh, well, the government, <laughs> the, 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 the government that you live under, the king and those in authority, and then it also talks about uh, work, Talks about working for a master. Talks about it even in the context of slavery. And most of you are not slaves. You make money. T- coaches you on how to, how to deal with, with the person in charge of you. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us through those entities. Certainly, there are problems with those entities. And some of us, many of us, want to undo the principle by saying that there are abuses. But you can't do that. You have to believe in the principle. And the principle is families are supposed to be a place where children are raised by the people who know them best. From cradle all the way up to past their, their 24th birthday. Because you know they don't leave till after that. <laughs> and some later. But, but, you, but you, you, the person, you are put in charge of them because you know them best. And I think we, when we submit our lives to one another, we open our ears to what the Holy Spirit may say. God often speaks through others. Here's what I want to say to you. We measure every voice of the Spirit through the safety of God's Word and good friends. God's Word and good friends. Submit yourself to one another. If in, it, in, that, in that little passage in Ephesians, you know what happens in the next little portion? He talk, starts talking about families. He starts talking about workplaces. He starts talking about all the people you should submit your lives to and, and how that works. Being filled with the Spirit has to do with being willing, being able, being empowered to submit your life to others and then being able to hear Him speak through them. Number five, this is the final. Number five is... Eliminate distractions in your life. Eliminate distractions in your life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It is just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. I want to talk to you about eliminating distractions that you think are good things, because even good things 
can be distractions to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. We've already dealt with the, the bad distractions. What I'm, what I'm highlighting here is many of us, we, we, our lives are so full, our lives are so busy, we are so pulled in several directions. Even people at church, they volunteer for you know, five or six things and they're, they're up to their eyeballs trying to do stuff at church and sometimes it's because of their own hole in their heart, their own need for significance and they volunteer for this and volunteer for that. I don't want you to do that. I want you to prioritize your life. Write that down in big, bold letters on your paper. Prioritize your life according to the words of the Holy Spirit, according to the scriptural principles, obeying the Sabbath, making sure you have time and energy to raise your children well, making sure that you have the money and the finances that you need to care for your loved ones, making sure that you're spending the time and energy that you have in the right place. This is an important idea that allows the Holy Spirit to speak to you more freely because what happens when your life is so overwhelming, so full, so pressurized, you stop listening. You stop getting up in the morning and reading the Bible. You stop. How, how many people are doing the one-year Bible plan with me? Twelve. Awesome. Okay. Some of you are doing other Bible reading plans. That's awesome. Um, I want to encourage you. There is a Bible reading plan on our website. You can go on there and look at one-year Bible. You can click on it. It'll give you the whole passage every day. You can just click on one button. It'll give you the entire passage. You can read four sections of the Scripture, and it's really easy. It's so good for you. But you give that stuff up when you get to too overwhelmed. You got too much going on. Busyness is a primary cause of hearing loss. Busyness is a primary cause of hearing loss from the Holy Spirit. Listening to the Holy Spirit is one of the most important things we can do. Being sensitive to His voice. Being sensitive to who He is. Becoming friends with Him. Knowing His voice. Listening to that gentle whisper. You've got to cultivate it. You've got to work on it. Do these five things. Write them down. Read them this week. You've got your homework assignment. First Kings 19. Sign up for the one-year Bible, re Bible reading thing. And let's do this together. Let's be a church that's willing to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I want you to be a person who's willing to listen to that gentle whisper God's trying to God's trying to whisper into your ear you need to be open ready receptive would you close your eyes with me and let's pray I wonder if you would just open up your hands kind of on your lap as a posture of receiving posture of surrender you can just put your palms up towards heaven and I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to make a decision today. Wherever the Holy Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, He's speaking to you. He's whispering and I want you to hear Him. I want you to listen. Open up your heart.
Lord, we want to listen better. We want to hear your voice. Help each one of us to choose to stop being so self-focused. To choose to surrender to you. Some of us need to internalize the scriptures in a greater measure, in a greater way. We need to become the ideas we're reading about, not just living our lives on our own terms. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to submit to other people in our life who could speak into our lives. People you've placed there to be God's voice to us, would you help us? And then, Lord, would you empower us to eliminate the distractions from our lives, the things that are good sometimes but are just filling up our lives so much we're not listening, we're not prioritizing. Help us to be the people you want us to be, the church you want us to be, so we can change this city. Do what you want us to do. If you're here this morning and you feel as though the Lord is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit, you hear his voice and you want to commit your life to him, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to ask you to, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to lift your hand. If you hear the voice of the Spirit and you want to commit your life to him or renew your commitment to him, you've been gone from him for a while. Maybe you're just coming back or you're hearing him. You want to commit your life to him again. Would you just lift up your hand in the air all over the room? Yep, I see you. One, two, three, four, five. That's good. Six. Anybody else? Seven. So good. So good. Father, every one of us, help us to listen. Tune our ears to hear your voice. We love you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen.